The security clearance process is complicated. Maybe you find yourself applying for a position with the national security community and then finding yourself with questions you don't know how to answer. Maybe you've held an active security clearance for decades and now find yourself wondering if you need to report that DUI or if your bankruptcy will be flagged under the new continuous vetting program. Security clearance policies are changing and it can be hard to keep up. Whether you're a security clearance applicant, defense industry hiring manager, or government agency, it's okay to have questions. We have the answers. Welcome to Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. Hi, this is Lenny Kaiser with clearancejobs.com, and welcome to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. Security training is definitely something that's getting a lot of news or interest. We've written about it quite a bit at clearancejobs.com. Insider threat awareness training, other training programs are nothing new, but definitely something that came out of the Department of Defense 45-day review was to some extent around the security piece of it. So we're expecting hopefully more news, more updates in the months to come. I think the scrutiny over the security clearance reform process, for better or worse, is never over. But in that vein, I'm really excited to have two definitely experts in this process, folks who know the security clearance, the vetting process, the counterintelligence piece of it, backwards, sideways, all of the ways. So across the personnel security counterintelligence space. And that's what I really love. Sometimes we kind of put personnel security in one bucket, but when it comes to risk reduction, risk management, there's a lot that goes into it. So we have Mitch Lawrence, he is with Lawrence Solutions, does a lot of really work in this space, works a ton with the government, has a, has a robust government background, also partners a lot with industry. Also, Peter Lapp, he is the founder of PJ Lapp Consulting, a retired government agent in this space. I never know. I've already forgotten how what I can s- disclose or not disclose about your background. They'll read it in your book, Peter, and then it, uh, and all of the questions will be answered. And he has a book coming up that definitely folks should check out. I'm here to have them talk about a sliver of a piece of their expertise. So we'll definitely have to have them back to talk about other topics around this. But something that we, again, teased you before, the training piece of the security process. Again, we know annual security training. We know that security officers actually have their own training requirements. So you you teased me a little bit before. You're getting me excited about the role of a special security officer. So can I have you guys kind of talk about what is a special security officer? What do they do within a company? And why is this a demographic that you're kind of focusing on with the new training program that you guys are doing together? So thanks, Lindy. This is Mitch Lawrence. And, and of course, I got to plug our, our, our new course that Pete and I are doing together uh, under the Lawrence Solutions banner. And, and of course, I've got to give you the, the website, www.lawrence-solutions.com. And when you get to the landing page, you'll see course registrations right there. And you, you can uh, join us for our next course, which will be 11 to 15 September uh, in, in what, you know, a little less than two months and will be um, hosted at a facility in Tyson's Corner. It's unclassified. You can get more information at the website there. There's a PDF uh, that you can download as well. And, and then so probably a separate call. We'll talk about also the another course we're going to be running uh, the week after that. And this, that's on uh, uh, the SCIF accreditation survival. So you can kind of see the survival theme uh, or meme that we're, we're trying to produce here. But uh, back to your great question, uh, Lindy. So, you know, the whole the whole training piece uh, and why we've developed this is that um, for whether funding reasons or other di- different uh, government reasons, uh, they've they've kind of pulled back on some of the training that they've been doing. And by the way, Pete and, and I are 
two of the government's instructors. And, and we just acknowledged that, you know, to try to help the government if they've got to, if they've got to reduce the number of runnings, that, hey, there's an opportunity to step up and help the government and, and our fellow security professional colleagues as well in order to provide this training. And, and a big difference is that we've decided to take it back to in-person since COVID-19. It's been virtual. And both Pete and I, um, you know, as instructors, it's it's a whole different um, ball of wax in trying to to uh, lead and, and teach folks virtually as compared to in person. Well, and I think we'll talk about that a little little more uh, further along. But the um, the whole idea is is to get these courses out there. Uh, also, the government has decided to restrict. Uh, contractors from attending the government course. So, you know, that the entrepreneur me said, hey, um, you know, what a great time to be able to help our, at least our contractor fellow security professionals in, uh, in understanding what the requirements to be uh, or become a special security officer. Yeah. So kind of walk through the SSO survival course. So what does that training actually entail? So you mentioned the government piece of it is just focusing on government personnel at that point. Sounds like there's an application also for the private sector side of it, you know, what's involved, who's eligible, why should they be doing that training? Yeah. So let me, let me start this and as as Pete and I like to do, finish each other's sentences here. So let me start off with a little bit on the SSO. So the SSO is, is kind of sort of the government title for that, but in industry, uh, we also have SSOs. We just add, you know, something like, you know, contractor, you know, CSSO or CPSO, contractor program security officer in front of it, but it's, it's essentially the same thing as far as responsibilities and duties. Uh, in the course, we uh, we, we uh, instruct on, and I'll go off the top of my head, head here, so unauthorized disclosure, uh, uh, SCIF building, personnel security, that process, cybersecurity, ComSec, risk management, communicating security successfully, the business of security, counterintelligence investigations, technical threats. So you can see it is a varied, uh, and at the same time, I think, complete rundown of all the things that an SSO needs to know, you know, out of the box, so to speak, or, or can hit the ground running to, uh, to, to uh, you know, use that analogy or metaphor as well. The training and education process for security officers, most of these folks are brand new to the position or have less than two, three, four years. And where do they go to get good quality training on how to do their job? I mean, hopefully they have a mentor or two in their organization, there aren't a plethora of training opportunities for security officers working in government or in clear defense industry to get good quality training. And I think we've provided that with this fulsome around the world type training that gives them the tools that will directly help them do their job. And I think that's what's super important to what we're trying to message. You know, the Tashara's of the world aren't going away. And therefore, your typical SSO is going to know the name to share, but perhaps won't know the mechanics of how that impacts them and how they could be, you know, kind of these ambassadors to insider threat programs that should be looking for the next to share. And, and the advantage of the in-person is, is by far greater because we have that ability to network. So we'll have 25 to 30 students in a class cross, you know, contractor. Uh, we already have signed up some government folks, by the way, for the for the next running. And it gives you an opportunity to meet and discuss over a four and a half day class uh, period that, uh, during the course that um, to get to know people that you, you may know for the rest of your career. 
and uh, you, he, Pete and I have been teaching virtual for the last almost two years, and uh, and that's very hard to do for for a course attendee to develop that type of relationship, uh, where you know we don't even use cameras; it's all it's all microphone. Um, and then let's not forget we we'll, we will be using exercises that engage everybody, and uh, and then VIP guests, um, you know. Folks that you, if I mention names like Charlie Phelan, <laughs> you would know, uh, and they're going to be, you know, doing guest appearances. So your opportunity to uh, have access to to folks like that, um, you know, the, the ability to possibly have them mentor you. That's a big plus for what we're trying to do. No, I love that. And I think a course like that, I think the ability to bring in outside expertise or different folks that, that come in with different perspectives is so important. And even the training Part of it, the fact that you have government and industry training together, I think, is always a huge advantage. So, I, I mean, it sounds like a disadvantage to me that the government is cutting that out of their side of it. And so hopefully this kind of helps to fill that gap and saying, you know, getting those two groups groups together. I think every time we do that, we see it being a net value for both sides of the equation to get folks in the same room. So you talked about it a little bit already, but I want to kind of expand on it a little bit more because, you know, professionalizing the security workforce, definitely a passion point of mine, um, mentoring, you know, Better career mapping is big. I get asked that all the time across the security workforce. Hey, I'm an FSO now. What does that look like in terms of career progression? So how does the training fit into that? Professionalizing the role of the SSO and kind of the career mapping piece of, of what you're doing. Yeah, I, I share your passion on that. In fact, I can go back, I think, you know, nearly 20 years now uh, when I originally made the statement to, to uh, you know, colleagues, security professional colleagues, and, and that was, hey, until we have a coffee table book, so to speak, we're, we're not a profession, okay? Because, you know, architects have that, lawyers have that, you know, everybody else seems to have that coffee table book, so to speak. And, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, we can't get there or we haven't been able to get there. And, and that's, um, that's a passion, I think, Linda, you and I share uh, of finding a way to do that. Uh, one of the ways to do that is to uh, elevate certain aspects of the security profession that uh, we try to do and demonstrate in the course. The things like uh, the pathway to yes, try getting away from the Cold War uh, mentality of just say no and risk aversion. We're, we're looking to, for ways to succeed and uh, not allow the non-security folks, the leadership to go around us or replace us or uh, and, and other ways to, to minimize um, what we're trying to do to help and safeguard the, the uh, the classified efforts. So that's that's very important to what we try to do. And uh, that's why we have a module on uh, communicating security for success. We have another one on, on the business of security so you can understand where, how funding works from, from Congress all the way down uh, to your you know possibly small business and how you can get security staff uh, and find your way to get through uh, setting up your larger entity setting up a uh, shared security center so so that you're processing uh, folks quickly on behalf of your company and then ultimately learning the business of your company and uh, or or if you're government of your agency so you can speak in their lingo and and you know not in the security ease that they don't understand um, you know talking about ICD ICD this or uh, the the uh, security in depth of that uh, that you just watch their eyes glaze over and <clears throat> from a leadership standpoint and we need to get to you know metrics and talking to things that they understand and and ultimately will appreciate and then you're going to see 
that that progression to uh, professionalization where they want you to be part of the uh, of the C-suite, if you will. That's what we've seen in the uh, in the cybersecurity world, right? You know, the the vital uh, requirements, and uh, now you start seeing the the CISO or the CIO um, kind of explode at the C-suite level, and the CSO, the contractor security or, or corporate security officer is, you know, still kind of, um, you know, the tortoise in the hair. Yeah, we're, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> and meanwhile, the hair has run right past us uh, in the name of, of um, cybersecurity. Yeah, but it, so, so in terms of that professionalism, right, one of the things I've, that I thought that Mitch did a fantastic job in developing this course is talking about the history of the position and knowing we were talking about this off camera, you know, talking about the movie Oppenheimer and how the security officer was a critical role in the Manhattan Project. Having, having that legacy education, talking to today's SSOs about where their position came from, Every time Mitch teaches it, I just I just listen and learn new things because I think it's so history. It's interesting to know the history of where this position came from and how critically important it has been in the course of the government, you know, post World War Two and through World War Two. I just think is a fascinating um, history lesson, but also cements how important these positions are and therefore how important it is to get good quality training for today's generation and tomorrow's generation of security officers. And, and Pete, you know, what drives us on, on that type of thinking is the course is designed with the concept of what's in it for me, meaning the student, you know, we want everything we do. We're trying to think of what's in it for you. Uh, it, it's not just to have talking heads or, or VIP guests or whatever. Um, this is, this is how you can go back and take this information and embrace it, use it, um, take, you know, what applies in your particular mission, contract, uh, et cetera, and, and, and then make it your own. Uh, we want you to, um, I think one of the things we talk about is, is uh, that you can be your own uh, company of security, right? You go back, you might be working for a large company, Lockheed or Boeing, but you can still take that mindset of, hey, this is my security company and here's the vested interests I have in it. And here as an entrepreneur, here are the things I can do in order to sell uh, the concept of security, market security within my organization in order for uh, the, the uh, horizontally or vertically the, the folks you're dealing with that they will embrace. There's a lot to learn from having government folks, government security officers and industry security officers in the same room together. I mean, that that knowledge transfer. Hey, this is what we do in government. It's not always right. And it, this is what we do in industry. It's not always right. But that ability in person to develop those relationships and learn from each other. I think we're going to totally maximize by by doing this in person and bringing both of those different groups. But but similar groups together in the same room together for a week. Yeah. And Lindy, what you're seeing here, what Pete and I do, I think fairly well is, is we just bounce off of each other at these things. And uh, you'll see, uh, you know, attendees will see this uh, at, during the modules that we teach. You know, you know, Pete will just say something. And I, I might be up front and Pete's, Pete will say, well, what about this, Mitch? And then we go off on that and vice versa. Uh, so it's it's a fun way to teach, and I think the students really appreciate that. 
uh, a dialogue. It's not just always a talking head. Yeah, we've got to we got to get information out there. We're going to tell you what the authorities are, and all that stuff because that's foundational uh, of you know why we're doing this module on you know, unauthorized disclosures or that module on skiff construction. But we want to get uh, immediately to how this applies to you. What's in it for you? Well, I mean, you're speaking to my marketing heart because it's storytelling, right? So I, I feel like correlating everything back to stories, even if it's counterintelligence. I mean, you guys have, you know, you've you've done the conference circuit around our industry and people might memorize facts, but very few of us have actually, you know, like you, you alluded to that, Mitch, like speaking in seeds or your tabbed NISPOM that you might bring to an event is going to get you not as far as having a great story that you can present to the C-suite about this is actually what's at risk here and this is how I unpack that. When you get two smart people like you guys who have careers of experience, you have a lot of stories at that point. There's a lot of value in bringing that to the table. Again, so many things that I loved about that, that entire section there, but I also love the pathway to yes. I love you, DCSA. I heart you with all of my heart. But I have talked about like the gatekeepers thing kills me every time. Let's 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 build some bridges. You know, you have to guard the entrance, but there's also a key role that security has in kind of making themselves accessible and kind of getting folks interested in that. So maybe you can even speak to that in the you know in the course. It sounds like you have some aspects on that of how to build the relationships, the people that an SSO needs to work with. So it's not just hey, this is what an SSO does. It's how the SSO relates across the organization. You know what you what you said kind of underscores our, our thinking, and that is. Uh, we want this to be useful information. We want it to be allow you to progress your career. We want you to, if you so desire, get to the C-suite type of level that you you can make a difference. You know, if you want to just sit back and and uh, you know check boxes and what have you, um, you know maybe this course isn't for you. We this is for the individual who who wants to have a career, who wants to progress, because uh, we're going to give them tools. In fact. Uh, after the class, things don't end. We offer uh, the ability for you know mentoring, email exchanges, post course, so that we can help you as much as we can. With what Mitch and I do, and I think we do it very well, we have an ability to give security officers the tools to have the confidence because sometimes they may have to challenge flag officers, senior executives, um, high level people and say no. At times, there are some hard nose that, you know, lines that cannot be crossed. And when you've got that disparity of this person's a high ranking person, like a Dr. Oppenheimer, for example, using our example and, 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 and saying you can't do that. We, and, and having that ability to give the security officers the confidence and the tools to be able to, when they need to. Sometimes they're going to have to say no when we can't get to yes. And that, I think, is one of the takeaways and one of the messages, giving them that confidence in the skills, whether it's communicating, whether it's knowledge, whether it's the vignettes that we offer that I think are, are great teaching points. I think that's a that's a point that, that this course will give the security officers that are going to take it. A corollary to that I, I'd like to share is my time at when I worked at CIA, one of the first things I learned was an acronym that's uh, spoken as ATSEN. And uh, what it stands for is all they can say is no. 
Okay, so therefore, you know, with all due respect, you're an idiot if you don't ask, if there are no consequences for asking the question. And and too often in security as a support organization, folks, I don't know if they've been trained or they, they uh, have been pushed down or they're, and they're thinking and they, they go, well, I, you know, I just have to sit here and, and, and take it. It's like, well, you, you can always ask the question. Um, and, you know, if they say no, they, they say no. But but you're kind of dumb if you don't ask the question because they could say yes and be prepared for that. And, and hopefully in the course, we're giving you information and knowledge so that when they do say yes, you're ready to go. I love that. And you teased this a little bit earlier, but do you think a lot of the companies, organizations you work with appreciate or understand the value of the security officer in their staff? Because that's a key thing that I always you know, say is we talk about how important security is becomes very important when there's a breach, but I do feel that sometimes there's this disconnect when in folks not recognizing, you know, the importance of, like you said, well, like we've talked about, professionalizing their security workforce and truly valuing them. Well, you know, I hate to say this and admit this, but uh, too often the, the security prof- professional uh, shoots themselves in the foot because they're not prepared to uh, to do the things that you you just suggested. Uh, they don't know the, the language, the business language. Um, they may not have the experience as Pete mentioned, you know, we get a lot of folks who are like, oh, you're the, you're the SSO. Oh, what's that? (laughs) Well, go take this course and you'll be one really. Um, so, you know, we get that kind of thing and the, a little bit of the ignorance and a little bit of the uneducated and, and, uh, and yet they're in a very important position in, in their chain of command. And so if they say something early on or do something that's inconsistent, well, you know, there you go. So then we're working uphill, uh, kind of like the myth of Sisyphus, you know, you know, right when you think you get to the top with the boulder, it just rolls right back and you have to start over again because of the perception that a lot of folks have of security, out, outside of security, have of security that, uh, you know, oh, you're just a naysayer, you're a roadblock, uh, you know, you're just uh, uh, on the business side, you're a cost center. If, if, if we didn't have this, you know, we'd make more money and, and all these other kind of things. So um, one of the things we like to do in the course is give you ideas and, and methods of how to combat that and how to uh, move past that, give folks to move past that in order to appreciate the uh, vital importance that the SSO has. So back to that point of professionalizing, right? And training, it's a journey. We're on a journey that perhaps doesn't have a destination because as we get new SSOs, we get new CEOs, we get new SESers, we get new flag officers, and there's a constant need to train those folks on the vitality of security. And that is the job of the SSO. So if we give them the skills, they're going to leave our course and go, okay, I have to train my bosses not just annually, but semi-annually, maybe quarterly. Tashera, for example, will be a name that some of the leadership can't even pronounce, number one. They've seen it, but do they really understand why it's so important and why it's so impactful from a risk perspective? That's the job of the SSO, to teach their leadership why their position is so important. And hopefully that's what they take away from 
this course, in addition to the need to do that, but the skills and abilities to do that, you know, moving forward. Where we're going with that ultimately is uh, something called customer service. Okay. That's the big picture aspect of some of the things we just kind of been, you know, we will remind everybody probably three or four times a day that security is a support organization. It is not an operational, it is not a mission leader. It is a support organization. Therefore, it's incumbent, it's required of us to find a way to be supportive of those other elements, including horizontally, you know, HR, finance, the other support organizations, facilities, uh, and, and then, of course, also the operational piece. If we can find a way to build a consensus with those other horizontal support organizations, HR and finance and legal Oh my gosh, we have we have such a power that the mission side has to listen. And so instead of uh, being divided and conquered as, as separate support organizations, the idea here that we try to teach in the course is to partner and team with those other support organizations. Yeah, I think if Mitch and I were uh, kings for a day, we would add in every security officer's signature block of their email and in every job description, quote, how can I help you, sir or ma'am? unquote. And that customer service mentality would be something that we would impart on every security officer moving forward. Because, you know, there were times during COVID in, in my previous job where I had to deal with the pandemic and I'm not an epidemiologist, but because I was in the role of security, I had to lean in on this global pandemic issue. And how did it relate to us in in providing access into individuals and we had to be a team player and customer service oriented i couldn't say i'm not a scientist i don't this is not my job if i did that we would be not invited to the table would not have a position of influence would not have respectability i had to sit there and go okay this is not my bag, but like, how can I help? And two areas that this is uh, so evident right now on hot topics. Um, one has to do with medical devices, uh, embedded medical devices and, and uh, coming into this, into the SCIF. And the other one is insider threat because we have insider threat programs out there where the uh, support organizations, you know, HR, legal, uh, uh, security contracting that are all supposed to be part of, of your typical insider threat program that don't talk to each other. Okay. And how effective is that insider threat? Don't program? get me started on that. <laughs> That's a topic for another podcast. Another, another. I feel like we have a series. I think we got, we have our own podcast. Running. I think we're gonna have to have a spinoff here. It's going to be, uh, you know, I don't know, security. I don't, I don't know what it's called yet, but it's, it's going to be good. I think there's a lot of tie-ins here. I think we have an, our next book. We're going to talk about the SSO the long history of the SSO starting with Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's our hook. We start with the bang and then we go from there. So I think that's... You, know, you, would, you would not have uh, today's five eyes if it wasn't for the SSO. Yeah. So they're all part and parcel to that time period. I'm a history buff. So again, you're, you're tying into all the things I love. So I think there's a lot of great tie-ins here. I think there's important to remember how this isn't a, a newly important role in the wake of kind of, you know, the leak trajectory talk out. It's a security roller coaster. It sometimes feels like, and it comes up and down with folks' awareness of it. But your special security officer, I think, is kind of that steady state that helps you, again, can professionalize a lot of this, institutionalize a lot of this. And I, again, appreciate what you said about even kind of creating your own, you know, having your own security startup mindset in terms of when you go into an organization. And I do think attending, especially an in-person training like this can really help revamp that and energize and some energy is needed across the security workforce. So things like this are great. So check out 
lawrence-solutions.com and their next course is 11 through 15th of September, special security officer survival course. I'll argue you might not just survive, you could thrive after you take the course. But again, appreciate your time, Mitch and Peter, for being on the show. This, this should be the first of many because I love chatting with you guys. And again, we have a lot to talk about on this topic. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Wendy. Have a question about security clearance process? Interested in submitting your own topic for security clearance insecurity? Have a question you'd like us to address on a future episode? Drop us an email, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to Security Clearance Insecurity with your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. Join us next time as we continue to answer all the questions about security clearance careers you have, but we're too afraid to ask your security manager.